0: Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is good to be back with you. Uh, I was unable to do my program last week, as many of you probably noticed. I uh, came down with some nasty bug, and so I was out of action. But here I am, back at it. Uh, and I thank you for joining me. I hope you're all doing well and stay away from the nasty bugs. And they, <laughs> It was a vicious one, but uh, I'm alive and well. And very, very happy to join you. Um, I'm going to start with a somber note, but let me begin by reminding those of you who perhaps aren't familiar with me or the program that I am a retired senior special agent with the former INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Uh, Spent 30 years with that agency, and ever since the terror attacks of 9-11, I have been a man on a mission trying to wake up our fellow Americans and our alleged political leaders about the true nature of America's immigration laws, our borders, and the nexus between the immigration system and public safety, national security, and a host of other issues. And let's be clear, this is not about xenophobia. The argument often disingenuously made by the open borders immigration anarchists This is simply about being careful that we don't admit people into the United States who have no inherent right to be here, and that is the case for all aliens, who would pose a threat to our safety or well-being. It's very simple. This is comparable to the uh, sensible homeowner who was careful to look through the peephole before unlocking his door to allow a stranger into his or her home. That's all we're talking about. And it has nothing to do with race, nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with ethnicity. As an immigration agent, I have investigated and arrested aliens from all over the world, from Asia, Europe, the Middle East, Africa, the Caribbean, Latin America, Canada. You name it, I probably arrested somebody from one of those countries. And not just me, that's just the nature of the beast. <clears throat> the only distinction that our immigration laws make is between American citizens and foreign nationals, also known as aliens. The immigration anarchists have been determined to eliminate the word alien from the vernacular to obfuscate the truth. This isn't about Latinos or any other group and anybody who thinks that an American who happens to be of Latino ethnicity is somehow different from all other Americans, is by definition a racist and a bigot. Americans are Americans are Americans. And I would suggest, in fact, I would submit to you that every rational American wants pretty much the same thing. And I don't care if you lean to the left or right as long as you haven't fallen off the edge of the Looney Tune spectrum. You want the military to keep our country Uh, safe from our enemies keep them as far from our shores as possible they want law enforcement to keep our streets as safe as possible the schools to educate our children and they want to know that any american irrespective of what i have come to refer to as the superficial factors race religion ethnicity gender any american willing to study hard work hard and benefit from a little bit of good old-fashioned luck thrown in for good measure can write the next great american success story Anybody who would suggest that because someone is of Latino ethnicity, that that person wants our borders open, wants gang members going to school with our kids, or wants to see Americans lose their jobs to foreign workers is an idiot and a bigot, and there's no place in this universe for that stupidity or that kind of duplicitous nonsense. So let's be clear. This isn't about ethnicity. It's not about Latinos. It's simply about making America as strong and safe as possible. And as I've often noted, for America to do well, Americans must do well. Because America isn't its parks and forests and mountains. That's wonderful. That's great. I, I, I love traveling around the country and seeing some of the incredible vistas. And this country has so many. But first and foremost, America is comprised of its citizens. It's citizens, not corporations, not it's fat cats, but it's citizens. And our government has an obligation to uphold and protect the Constitution and protect the citizens of this great nation, period. That's what this is about. And it was multiple failures of the immigration system that created the terror attacks of 9-11 and other terror attacks. We just had two of them within the last couple of months right here in New York City. Um, my website is michaelcutler.net. I write for frontpagemag.com, frontpage Magazine. We're going to talk a little bit about an article that I uh, just wrote to them that was published on the 11th of this month, just a couple of days ago. I've got another great article. I hope it's a great article. I don't want to sound like the president, but I'm very happy with the article that I wrote that I expect they'll be publishing at, uh, on Monday, this coming Monday. I write for The Social Contract. And I have a longstanding relationship uh, with Californians of Population Stabilization, capsweb.org, and um, there's been a change in management there. We're still redefining how I will be working with them um, to provide my perspectives and insight, but I do expect that that relationship, which is more than a decade old, will be continuing. I look very much forward to continuing my work with that terrific organization. But having mentioned the terror attack of 9-11, I want to turn to a very somber ta- uh, topic. You know, um, I'm Jewish. We're celebrating Hanukkah this week. Those of you who celebrate Hanukkah, I hope you have very happy Hanukkah. I know that uh, everyone looking forward to, to Christmas, happy, healthy New Year. This is that time of the year where it can uh, be a wonderful, magical time of the year where we get together with family and loved ones and celebrate some truly joyous holidays, but it's also a tough time of the year for those people uh, who perhaps don't have family or who have lost family members. Um, Been down that road myself uh, years ago as a kid. So I know how tough this time of year can be, and I hate to bring up a very somber topic, but I'm compelled. There is a gentleman by the name of Douglas Greenwood. Douglas Greenwood was a New York City police captain He was the commander of Manhattan South Task Force in Lower Manhattan. He was one of the leaders who spearheaded the effort at Ground Zero after 9-11 in searching through the rubble, what became known as the pile, looking for human remains. The toxins were everywhere. So many people that worked on the pile, the first responders became extremely ill. That's why... There was a piece of legislation known as the Zadruga Act, uh, which provided uh, amazing sums of money for the health and treatment of first responders and others who were sickened by the toxins that would release when those twin towers came down when that whole complex was reduced to rubble. Oh, this is not an easy story, folks. I worked very closely with the New York City Police Department, best police department I would argue probably in the world. And um, the headline for the New York Post says it all. This was December 14th, yesterday's post. 9-11 first responder kills himself after battle with lung disease. That first responder was Captain Doug Greenwood. I don't believe I ever met the man. I may have in my travels, having worked so closely with the NYPD. But the story uh, is heartbreaking. He wasn't married, didn't have children, He was a member of the New York City Police Department. He lived for the job, according to all accounts I've read about him. And when his men and women were assigned to digging through that pile, looking for human remains, rather than sit in his patrol car, which he could have. He was the captain. He ran the, the program. He was out there working shoulder to shoulder with the men and women under his command. He was subjected to exposure of those toxins. He wound up with lung cancer. And according to the newspaper reports, for the last 10 years, slept with an oxygen bottle so that he could breathe while he was sleeping. Underwent numerous surgeries. And um, after he left the police department, he started a pizzeria. Although his name didn't sound Italian, he was of Italian ancestry. And he said that he was using his mother's recipe. His mother or his grandmother's recipe. at a place called the Bleecker street pizza and the pain became unbearable from all of his suffering. And he decided to end it all a couple of days ago. The body count from nine 11 is not yet complete. People are still dying and dying horrible deaths from their exposures to those toxins. Lower Manhattan. It has a cancer cluster, not a shock. This was the damage that continues to be done to New York and to America after 9-11. And yet you have uh, politicians utterly ignoring the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission to which I provided testimony. It's unconscionable. First and foremost, the 9-11 Commission found, (coughs) pardon me, I'm still not 100% over whatever this is. I feel like Kermit the Frog is uh, visiting, so bear with me. But I I very much wanted to join you on uh, on my program this evening. Uh, and, And part of my motivation was reading the story about Captain Greenwood. This guy lost his life because he did what first responders do. They run toward that which sane people run from. And we know that 9-11 was the result of multiple failures of the immigration system, and yet you have sanctuary cities. New York is a sanctuary city. It gets a tremendous amount of money because we are clearly the number one target for international terrorists. And yet sanctuary policies fly directly in the face of the recommendations and findings of the 9-11 Commission. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to make the point more clearly. We are not safe by harboring criminals, aliens who come into this country, violate our laws, either commit crime, are involved with gangs, or simply are violating laws that were enacted to keep terrorists and criminals out of our country. How in the world does that make us safe? And the fantasy has been created that if somehow we enforce the immigration laws, well, then victims of crimes, illegal alien victims, won't come forward. It's a lie. They have to know it's a lie, but they keep repeating it. It's, you know, tell a big lie and keep repeating it and hope that after a while people will think the lie is the truth. That seems to be the strategy that's now in play. As an immigration agent, I spent half my 30-year career with the drug task force. I worked very closely with the New York City Police Department throughout my entire career. And one of the things I was able to do to help our fellow law enforcement officers of the NYPD and other police departments was to use immigration authority to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses among the illegal aliens in those ethnic immigrant communities. Whether it was the Russian community, the Asian community, the Caribbean community, the Latino community, doesn't matter. Again, this isn't about one race, religion, or ethnicity. Ethnicity, if I get the words out. So we hear the, the nonsense. And meanwhile, we've now had two terror attacks. And no, the fact that New York was a sanctuary did not have a direct bearing on the two attacks. The most recent attack carried out by by this nitwit from Bangladesh, uh, Akai Ula, who got a visa because of so-called family reunification. The idea that we would have chain migration and let entire families come in once one guy gets his foot in the door is nuts. That policy needs to end, and the president has identified it as a problem and wants to end it. But of course, uh, and I'm a registered Democrat, but the Democrats are screaming like scalded cats. There is no reason why an adult gets a green card and then citizenship and then can bring his or her siblings into the country with their families. You know, I've often said The easy way to describe who should be able to become a citizen when someone naturalizes, who should be able to get a green card rather when a relative naturalizes, look at it this way. If the person could not reasonably expect to be on that person's health insurance plan, then they shouldn't be able to get a green card based on that person becoming a citizen. It makes sense for the spouse of, of an immigrant to come legally and his minor children or her minor children. But when you start to bring in brothers and sisters and their spouses and their kids, you can have one new citizen bring in 40 or 50. You heard me right, 40 or 50 new immigrants. Think of the family that has eight, nine, 10 kids. And you could be a half-brother or a half-sister, and that works also. So you could literally have dozens of new immigrants resulting from one person becoming a citizen in middle age. And I've seen it in reviewing immigration files, and it's insanity. And so this guy, Ula does exactly that. He gets he, he a green card because one of his parents was related to someone who I believe came on a diversity visa, and we've discussed that madness before. And so instead of thanking his lucky stars that he's living in the United States, he came to America apparently filled with rage against America and Americans. And tried to blow himself up in Times Square in, in a walkway that, that connected subway platforms under the streets. Fortunately, this idiot was only capable of blowing himself up. He's still alive. He's burned. Uh, he looked kind of like a marshmallow lying on the ground. It was kind of interesting. Um, I have nothing but rage for this piece of garbage. Who could do this? Among people, he had no idea who they were. He just saw a bunch of people. He saw a Christmas decoration and said, perfect place to blow myself up. He did injure a couple of people. Thankfully, they only suffered minor injuries. He got the brunt of the blast. But this is a level of malevolence that's impossible to describe, just as it was for those hijackers that got on those airliners and turned passenger jets into cruise missiles they knew nothing about the people that were on the airplane and they could not have cared less this is an insanity that poses a direct threat to the lives of everybody who is here in the united states that people would come to america and carry out deadly attacks for no other reason than their blind hatred and yet If you dare suggest that we enforce our immigration laws to make it unlikely or difficult for terrorists to enter the country, for criminals to enter the country, for narcotics to flow into our country, somehow we're told, oh, you're a hater, you're a xenophobe. I am prejudiced. I'm prejudiced against terrorists. I'm prejudiced against criminals. If you are a criminal, I don't want you here. And if we can keep you out, more the better. If you manage to get in and commit crimes and we have the opportunity to get rid of you, don't let the door hit you on the rear end on the way out. I worked with Senator Al D'Amato back in the early 80s to create what became known as the aggravated felon reentry law that makes unlawful reentry by criminal aliens a 20-year felony. Unbeknownst to me, I had an ally in my, in my effort. Uh, a guy by the name of Walter Connery, who was the head of investigations at the New York office of the INS. He came out of the NYPD. He was a deputy inspector in charge of internal affairs. He had a law degree. Uh, He became a mentor to me. I loved working for Walt. Sadly, he died a few years ago. I certainly miss our conversations. But Walter Connery uh, had written a legislative initiative to um, Senator D'Amato, shortly after I had gone to the Senator and convinced about 30 of my colleagues, other INS agents, that we needed to do three things. Prioritize criminal aliens, overall aliens, to seek their removal, to hold deportation hearings inside the prison so we didn't have some alien dirtbag sit in jail for 10 years for committing rape or murder or mayhem, and then try to deport them afterwards we usually wound up running out of jail space and that guy would go out on the street and and victimize more people. So I said, look, hold the deportation here. He's inside the prisons. He now has years to appeal the the order of deportation, but by it's all, by the time it's all over, you put him on an airplane and you wave goodbye and to make sure that you discourage him from coming back, reentry after deportation of criminal aliens should carry with it a maximum penalty of 20 years in jail. Back then, there was no distinction, and the worst that anyone faced for unlawful reentry was two years in jail. Two years in jail is fine for a guy that washes dishes in the back of a greasy spoon diner, or a ranch hand, or a farm hand. So when you're talking about criminals, we need to hammer them so that they hopefully will not come back. That's the cure for recidivism. And yet, we have sanctuary cities that are harboring and shielding aliens, who are convicted felons, <clears throat> pardon me, and, and we're seeing this concept. We just saw it in San Francisco with the murder trial of the dirtbag who killed Kate Steinley. Sanctuary city in San Francisco. Kate Steinley certainly did not find sanctuary, nor did her family. The term sanctuary city is Orwellian. There is no sanctuary. These are magnet cities, magnets that attract criminals and fugitives and terrorists, gangbangers and drug traffickers. And yet you have a couple of hundred cities across America. And now California is a sanctuary state harboring and shielding illegal aliens who did not enter undocumented. They entered illegally. They entered without inspection. Or they entered even maybe with green cards, but then committed felonies which caused them to become subject to removal, deportation. And why not? Anybody who believes in sanctuary cities really does not believe in the Border Patrol, secure borders, or the inspection program conducted at international airports and other ports of entry. This country spends almost $14 billion a year on Customs and Border Protection. The two major functions of CBP, Customs and Border Protection, is the Border Patrol, which is supposed to maintain the integrity of the border so that people don't sneak in, and to conduct the inspections at ports of entry that are designed to keep criminals and fugitives and terrorists out of the country, and also keep aliens out of the country who would likely work illegally, thereby creating a problem for American workers. Our immigration laws could not be more pro-American if we tried. But you would never know it to listen to the lies. And so we've had two terror attacks recently. There was a woman who just got arrested on the island, Long Island, naturalized citizen. I'd love to know when she entered the United States and when she got it into her head that she needed to support ISIS, but the news accounts were that she had managed to swindle And and otherwise get her hands on something on the order of $85,000 and try to move it covertly through Bitcoin and other under-the-radar currencies to support ISIS. And she herself was caught as she was attempting to go overseas to join ISIS, naturalized citizen. The war on terror is ongoing. If you don't believe it, try to get on an airplane and see what you have to be subjected to before you can board an airliner. And yet, you would think that there had been no terror attack, or you would think that there was no 9-11 commission. And it broke my heart to read about Captain Greenwood, whose pain became so impossible to tolerate that he made a conscious decision to end his life. Um, Devastating news. But again, you need to remember that we lost more people to just 19 hijackers on 9 11 that America lost to the entire Japanese fleet on December 7, 1941. We just observed the anniversary of December 7. How in the world can anyone who claims to be an advocate for America, anyone who has taken an oath of office to uphold the laws and constitution of our nation, turn around and declare their jurisdiction to be a sanctuary for aliens who violate some of our most fundamental laws, laws that are designed to look after national security and public safety. And that's where we are today. The madness of sanctuary cities, the duplicitous conduct of our alleged representatives, and the American people sitting on their hands and allowing this to happen. There was a a near riot just a couple of weeks ago People demanding that ICE agents, immigration agents, not go into courtrooms or family court. And what incited these nitwits was the fact that an illegal alien who was in family court, because allegedly he engaged in domestic violence, uh, was subject to deportation and arrest. And these women were screaming at the top of their lungs, how dare you arrest this guy? The guy, I'm going to guess, was either a wife beater or, or allegedly abused his children, whatever. And with all of the concerns we have, and we're watching the cascading dominoes of all these guys who allegedly, allegedly engage in sexual propriety, sexual assault with women, and, and anybody who can do that is an animal and not worthy of anyone's respect, but I always worry, of course— when when we don't hear about the complaints for many years, and suddenly a woman wakes up and says, guess what happened 30 years ago? You know, as an agent, I've learned there's always three sides to the argument, his, hers, and the truth. But anybody who could engage in that kind of reprehensible behavior certainly isn't worthy of any sympathy. And if you're that concerned about that kind of conduct, how in the world do you then stand up for an illegal alien who is in court because allegedly— Um, He was engaged in domestic violence. The disconnect and the hypocrisy that seems to go hand in glove with immigration law enforcement leaves me flabbergasted. Aliens have no inherent right to enter the United States, just as we as Americans have no inherent right to enter any other country. Being admitted into another country is a privilege, just as being admitted into a neighbor's home is a privilege. But you would never know it to listen to the overheated rhetoric of the, of the open borders immigration anarchists. And it just astonishes me. And it worries me because we are under imminent threat of terror attacks on a day-to-day basis. Two in the last couple of weeks. Now, the, this last nitwit, ULA, apparently couldn't figure out how to make a bomb. But the other dirtbag, just a couple of weeks earlier, certainly figured out how to drive a truck into a bunch of bike riders on the west side of Manhattan. And he killed eight innocent people and injured a dozen people. And, of course, the solution here in New York was to build up a wall to protect the bike path. Cosmetic nonsense. I mean, think about it. So the next terrorist won't try to get on the bike path with a truck. He or she will just drive the car or the truck through midtown Manhattan and and mow people down on the sidewalk or wait until they're the first car in line at a red light and when the people start to cross the street, all you gotta do is nail the gas pedal and you could kill lots and lots of people. You know? But yet the cosmetics are there, the optics are there. Oh, we're gonna build a wall. Now we're protected. Until there's another vehicle driven two blocks from where that deadly attack took place with more people dead. And then what's the game plan? What's the game plan? Instead of being reasonable and looking at the 9-11 commission report and saying, well, you know, those 9-11 hijackers, those 19 hijackers in the aggregate use something on the order of 364 false names or variations of false names. Clearly, false aliases help the bad guys. You know, change in name is the same as a chameleon changing color to hide among its intended victims. So what does New York do? It provides municipal ID to hundreds of thousands of illegal aliens who snuck into the country. And I guarantee you, the city of New York has no way of knowing who the hell these people are. But let's give them ID. It's just stunning to me, folks. And this isn't about politics. This is about innocent victims. This is about people being killed or maimed by some truly malevolent individuals. And instead of doing what's in the best interests of America and Americans, you have politicians who have an agenda, and I'm still trying to figure out how they sleep at night. Uh, To me, anybody who can ignore the findings of the 9-11 Commission and are willing to put their fellow citizens at risk or anybody at risk you know foreign tourists people that were killed if i remember correctly with that bike path attack were from argentina tourists this isn't about it's only citizens everyone is at risk from these animals and yet rather than looking at the 9-11 commission report and saying okay like it or not, we have to take certain steps because we live in a perilous era, just the way that we have to be careful about getting on airplanes. This is no different. But somehow, the politicians have done the math, and they've decided that if they want the campaign contributions of the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, which is more fixated on headcounts on airliners and headcounts at, at ballparks and so forth than they are with body counts in the morgue, then they'll do the bidding of those people who write the campaign contributions. Or they'll do the bidding of the leaders of their party who somehow think this will result in them getting more votes. And the average American does nothing. Doesn't stand up, doesn't say a word, just allows it to happen. And too many Americans have been far too intimidated by these open borders anarchists and we're seeing it on college campuses. In the name of, um, you know, being peaceful and kind, we're gonna have safe spaces. There's nothing safe about a safe space. It's a place where the first amendment is being shut down. You know, if the other side thinks they have a compelling argument, then they should be thrilled to engage in debate to win more people over. The point of the matter is they're not stupid not stupid they know that they cannot win a debate they know that if anybody stands up and tells the truth nobody will listen to them so their objective is simple shut down debate they want a monopoly on the conversation because they can't compete in debate which is intellectual capitalism why do i call it that because in debate Various people bring their ideas to the intellectual marketplace for the audience to consider, and then people get to make a decision as to what sounds more reasonable. The open borders anarchists, the super to the left nut jobs, just like to the super to the right nut jobs. Extremism should worry all of us no matter which direction it comes from. But it's the left that seems to be running roughshod on college campuses these days. And they know they can't win the debate. So the goal is to make certain that there is no competition. And how do you eliminate competition, violence, and so-called safe spaces? On the one hand, they talk about safety, while on the other hand, they threaten physical violence against anybody who would speak out against their position. The hypocrisy runs rampantly through so many of these issues. The people in Hollywood are so worked up over firearms and then the ones who tend to be the most vociferous opponents of the Second Amendment are the ones who star in the movies where, you know, the stunt people are flying through the air, guns are going off, cars are blowing up, all the while in the background you can hear the clatter of machine guns. So they make these movies and, you know, life very often imitates art. So you have teenage kids who come home, if they go to their home, wherever they go, and they're watching these films, and in these films of violence, no one sits down to work out their differences peacefully. Disagreements are resolved by gunfire and bloodshed, and they make these movies ever more graphic, ever more violent, and then... After they pocket their tens of millions of dollars for making this garbage, they stand out there wailing about the Second Amendment and how terrible guns are. See, it's not the guns. It's the willingness of some people to use those guns to wreak havoc on victims. And some of these people are suffering mental illness. And I'm not going to say that watching the movie is enough to get people to go out there and do crazy stuff. But nevertheless, if you're really that concerned about violence, why are you making movies that glorify violence? Why aren't you making films that show people working their problems out sensibly, rationally, peacefully? Because it won't make enough money. So they pocket the money and then they scream about the guns or they scream about the environment and they get on their jets that fly higher than airliners and pollute the atmosphere. But that's okay because that's their plane, not yours. See, there's us, meaning from their perspective, these power brokers, whether it's Hollywood or Washington, and there's rest the rest of we the people. And they don't want to have to play by the same rules that we play by. But if you dare complain about it, they will try to intimidate you by, by name-calling and all sorts of other tactics. If these folks want to learn what leadership is, they should take some time and study Mahatma Gandhi, a former leader of India who lived as his people lived. That's what a true leader does. But that's not what we're witnessing today. We're seeing two standards. The average American who's being told what they can and can't do, what they can and can't eat, whether or not they can even defend themselves. And then the Hollywood elite and the corporate elite and the Silicon Valley elite that have nothing but utter contempt for the average American, bought and paid for all of these politicians who are willing to do their bidding because the money is great enough. I wasn't allowed to take a cup of coffee when I was an agent, if I was on duty. The idea was that if you ever take something from anybody, you're going to lose your objectivity. But yet politicians are getting checks that are astronomical. But of course, that doesn't influence their thinking, not one bit. And look at how foolish the average American has become. I was given the privilege, and I find it remarkable, I assure you the Democratic Party wouldn't allow me to go anywhere near any of their events, even though I'm registered as a Democrat and have been ever since I voted decades ago, first time. But the Tea Party has had me speak at their convention in South Carolina on a number of occasions. And the time that Obama was running for re-election, if you remember, Mitt Romney was a candidate, Newt Gingrich was a candidate, Uh, there were a bunch of candidates. And Gingrich spoke, um, Santorum spoke, Gingrich spoke, and then they gave me 25 minutes on stage. And afterwards, and, and, and they were very courteous. I was very warmly received. It was amazing. And I spoke to Newt Gingrich afterwards at the bar, and I said, with all this talk about the need to create jobs, every politician promises to create jobs. Why in the world don't you talk about the need to liberate jobs, Mr. Speaker? And Gingrich looked kind of stunned. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, you know, It takes a long time to create a job. You have to have an idea. You have to think it all out. You have to convince people that the idea that you have is viable. And then you have to get money so that you can breathe life into this vision and build the facility or rent the facility. And that can be time consuming. You certainly don't hire people overnight that way. That process can take months. It can take years. But if you enforce the immigration laws literally overnight, overnight, the same day that illegal aliens are taken out the back door, you can bring in the new legal workforce through the front door. I said, why don't you talk about the need to liberate jobs, Mr. Speaker? And I will tell you, he looked rather stunned and rather upset when I said that. My latest article for Front Page magazine, and it was published on December 11th. Its title is Trump's Immigration Policies are Working, and the subtitle, How 800 Americans and Lawful Immigrants Got Jobs Overnight in Chicago. Now, the story was that this Swiss company that makes the buns for McDonald's in Chicago was recently raided, and they hire their employees through a third party. I guess they were looking to insulate themselves. This is another one of the things that companies do. They hire people through an agency— lots of stuff going on. There's lots of moving parts to this machinery. And it turned out that 800, about a third of the people working for that company were here illegally. And the Chicago Tribune published an article. And here was what I wrote about in my piece. Listen to this quote from the Chicago Tribune article. A Swiss maker of hamburger buns and McDonald's corporation said that it's struggling to run a Chicago bakery after it lost a third of its workers in a clampdown on 800 immigrants without sufficient documentation. What in the world does that even mean? They lacked sufficient documentation? They had four out of eight pieces of paper? What do you mean they lacked documenta- sufficient documentation? This is Orwellian. The Ministry of Truth in 1984 couldn't come up with a more creative sentence. They lacked sufficient documentation. Folks, these people were working illegally. Let's have some clarity. No, they lacked sufficient documentation. This is the Orwellian crap that we're listening to on a daily basis in the news media. The same organizations that refer to immigration anarchists as being pro immigrant and people who are pro-enforcement as being anti-immigrants. It is Orwellian. This is not about political correctness. It's about altering understanding by altering the language. And that was why I wrote an eight-page article for The Social Contract. Please go to the website. It's free. Or go to my website, michaelcutler.net. But the title of my article for The Social Contract, The Road to Tyranny, is paved with language censorship. When you eliminate words, you eliminate the thoughts that the words represent because human beings think in words. Take away the words, and what do you have? Chaos. That's why the elimination of that one word, alien, from the immigration debate has had such a profound impact on the whole debate and the public understanding of the issue. But you may not know this, but we've heard so much about the dreamers in DACA. The A in dreamers is alien. Again, hypocrisy. Don't you dare say Alien unless it's in conjunction with the American dream, which, by the way, no longer applies to Americans. It only applies to illegal aliens. Lie after lie, obfuscation after obfuscation, and you have people on Labor Day protesting Donald Trump, demanding better jobs and better wages, but if they would only stop and think, they would realize that the policies of the Trump administration have been the best for working Americans that we have seen in decades, in decades. Both parties have been driving us into globalization. Ronald Reagan gave us the first. He did not hire more agents, had a confidentiality provision in the amnesty program so immigration agents couldn't even share the amnesty files with other law enforcement agencies. It was an open invitation to immigration fraud. There's no other way of looking at it except to say that the Reagan administration wanted to flood America with as many foreign workers as possible to satisfy the corporations. And I know I have conservative friends who like Ronald Reagan. I have big issues with Reagan and his immigration policies. And, you know, um That program was designed to fail from square one. In the beginning, we were told that about a million aliens would avail themselves the opportunity to get lawful status. We wound up with between three and a half and four million. So it's both parties that have been doing this to us. If you wonder why the Republicans have not been kind to President Trump, this is a big part of it. They're globalists. They're globalists. They want open borders. Open borders are dangerous from the perspective of national security, public safety, drugs, crime, and for the jobs and salaries of American workers. And if you don't think that North Korea would love to send its spies and saboteurs to America, you're crazy, and undoubtedly they are already here. The same thing is true about Iran. The same thing is true about the drug cartels and ISIS. You can't defend a country when you can't keep your enemies out of the country. You know, when there's a burglary, when there's a crime committed, the crime scene investigators come out. and The first thing they look to figure out is how did the bad guys get into the facility? How did they get into the house? How did they get into the factory? That's what the 9-11 Commission tried to figure out after 9-11. And all arrows were pointing at multiple failures of the immigration system. But you see, the immigration system really isn't failing. Now, this may be a shock for you to hear this. The immigration system, up until President Trump, has been doing a magnificent job of exactly what the power elite wanted, not what the average American wanted. But the immigration system was the best run system in the entire United States of America. Don't let anyone tell you that it's broken. This is called failure by design, because what the power elite wanted was an unlimited supply of foreign tourists, foreign students, and cheap foreign labor. Now, tell me, isn't that what we got? An unlimited supply of cheap foreign labor, an unlimited supply of foreign students and foreign tourists? So please don't tell me the immigration system is broken. It is working better than any other system in the entire federal government by design. By design. That's how you wind up with tens of millions of illegal aliens. That's how you wind up with MS 13 infesting 40 out of 50 American states. That's how you wind up with drugs flowing freely across our borders. Last year, there were 60,000 opiate overdoses in America, people that were killed. And when people say to me, well, the system is broken, my gosh, are you gullible if you believe that? Why do you think there's there's never been more than a couple of thousand immigration agents to enforce the immigration laws from within the interior of the United States? Because that's where the action is. For years, the politicians were successful at convincing America that we had four border states. Mexico was the issue. That border has to be secured. Don't get me wrong, not for a heartbeat. But not one of the 9-11 hijackers ran the Mexican border. Most terrorists come across through international airports. Don't take my word for it. Go read the 9-11 Commission report. It's free. Go read it. Do your homework. Do your homework and have your neighbors do their homework. And, in fact, the 9-11 Commission also made it clear that one of the key vulnerabilities was created because we did not have meaningful interior enforcement. Once people came to this country, they were home free. It didn't matter if they ran the border. It didn't matter if they overstayed a visa. It didn't matter. Once they were here, they were here, and all's right with the world. And what did we hear to justify comprehensive reform? Well, we can't arrest 11 million people. Well, folks, there's probably 40 million by now. But we can't arrest them all. So let's just give them all legal status. Never mind that there's no capacity to interview anybody or do any field investigations. Never mind that that would be an act of national suicide. Never mind that national security would be irrevocably damaged, destroyed, obliterated. So the argument is that you solve the problem of illegal immigration by legalizing everybody. Is there any other area of law enforcement where you hear any other garbage that's comparable to that? How many people blow stop signs or run red lights or speed? But you've never heard a police chief say, oh, my gosh, too many people violate motor vehicle law. Let's not bother to enforce the law. It's just a hopeless situation. You never hear that. Too many people are texting and driving, so let's not even bother. No, what they do is run commercials. They increase the penalties, and they convince the American public that if you even think of picking up your phone while you're behind the wheel of the car— SWAT will descend on the car and haul your tail out of your car through the sunroof with five guns aimed at your head. Don't you even think of reaching for the phone. Now, of course, some people aren't intimidated. They're stupid enough. They continue to text and drive, and then they kill people. But so now they're trying to find a way of checking your phone by law so that if you were texting when you had the accident, you're going to be charged with a felony and you're going to jail, et cetera. If this was immigration, they would say there's just nothing we can do about it. And do you know why they tell you there's nothing they can do about illegal immigration? Because that is what is wanted by the power elite. And so when Donald Trump stepped up to the plate and said, we're going to secure the borders, we're going to protect our country, my God, panic broke out. This is a guy that didn't need their money. So they can't buy him. They can't threaten him. What do they do with him? You wonder why those FBI agents hate Donald Trump? Uh, You know, I'd love to know whose music they're dancing to. And it's sad. i worked with the FBI. There's some fine folks over there. I had a desk at the FBI for years as part of the drug task force. I worked with them on terrorism investigations. But when you listen to the animosity coming at Donald Trump from all directions, the biggest issue in Mike Cutler's judgment. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but sovereignty is the biggest issue. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce has been pushing to have the visa requirement watered down and watered down and watered down. And on 9-11, we had 26 visa waiver countries. After the findings of the 9-11 Commission, there should be no visa waiver program. However, because of the, the, the Chamber of Commerce, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce today We've gone from 28 visa waiver countries on 9-11. Today, we have 38 such countries. Because the um, U.S. Chamber of Commerce has partnered with the hotel, hospitality, travel, and manufacturing associations to create the Discover America program, where they're pumping tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions, God knows, into political campaigns to hammer the visa requirement into the ground. Why? Because they don't care who dies as a consequence and let's face it the funeral home industry is an industry maybe they're trying to generate some business for them also while we're at it the added bonus maybe we can throw some business towards the funeral homes you can't protect the country with an open border that doesn't mean nail the border shut it just means be careful before you open the door if the police told you that there were home invaders and burglars operating in your neighborhood especially at night don't you think you would lock your door and be certain to double lock it before going to sleep maybe go out and buy yourself a better lock you know it's easy when you drive through some tough neighborhoods to know what the crime rate is without even doing any research get in the car and drive through the neighborhood how can you tell when you're in a crime, high crime neighborhood Some houses, and I've seen it in New York and I've seen it elsewhere in my travels, have bars on the windows of the house. The houses look like jail cells, except they're not trying to keep the people in the houses. They're trying to keep the bad guys from getting into those houses. Common sense. Burglars want to break in. You have to reinforce your house against that possibility. Today, terrorists want to get in. Criminals want to get in. Gangbangers want to get in, not to our houses. And yet the mere mention of the idea of securing our borders starts a firestorm in Washington. Who in their right mind would not want to keep narcotics out of the United States? Who in their right mind would not want to keep criminals out of the United States? And who, ladies and gentlemen, in their right mind would want to keep would not want to keep terrorists from entering the United States, understand what we're witnessing politicians who understand the dangers they're creating, but apparently they have a different priority. Different from the average American, the average American, I assure you wants the border secured, wants to make certain that criminals and drugs and terrorists don't get in. Why would any politician, who claims to be looking out for the best interests of America and Americans, fight the notion of protecting America? Because that's what they're fighting. They are fighting against protecting America. Are they looking for the MVP award from ISIS? Are they looking for the MVP award from the drug cartels or MS-13? I don't know. Only they can answer that. But that's an interesting question for town hall meetings that you might want to attend. What in the world is wrong with securing our borders? And no one has yet provided me with a rational explanation for that unbelievable position. And you look at this raid on that bakery and suddenly 800 new jobs were opened up overnight. And then the article goes on and what does it say? Again, I'm quoting from this Chicago Tribune article about the raid in Chicago. The raid on workers at Cloverhill is one of the biggest U.S. employer employment headaches reported by a European company so far as President Donald Trump has made curbing undocumented immigration. This isn't undocumented, folks. It's illegal immigration. <coughs> Pardon me. So far, as President Donald Trump has made curbing undocumented immigration a centerpiece of his presidency, Arista, that's the president of the company, said that it faces challenges in retaining staff in the U.S. and pressure to raise wages. I thought the Democratic Party was about supporting blue-collar Americans. So we have a raid on a, on a bakery that's forcing the bakery to hire Americans and lawful immigrants and pay them more money. From the perspective of American workers, we call that a win-win. And who is behind it? Donald Trump. And who are the Democrats screaming the most loudly about? Donald Trump. Do you see a disconnect? And that's not to say that I agree with everything the president says or the way that he says it. Sometimes I wish that he would use more subtle language, more nuanced language. But goodness gracious, I score this 800 uh, alien arrest a major success. 800 jobs weren't created. They were liberated simply by enforcing laws that are already on the books. You know, as Americans, we really need to make a New Year's resolution for ourselves. And that resolution needs to be that we will no longer be pushed around, that we will stand our ground verbally when we are attacked by the anarchists, that we won't go quietly. You know, uh, as a B'nai president, I attended a, a meeting up in the Catskills many, many years ago when I was in college. I was a president of the B'nai B'rith chapter, of AZA, which was a, a young adult organization for people in college. And the, there was a documentary shown about the price of silence, that when people spew language of hatred, bigotry, that sort of thing, the presumption is that if you don't disagree with the loudmouth, then you agree with the position that that person is taking. The only way that you can make your opposition to repugnant words is by articulating what you feel. If you keep your mouth shut, people will presume that you are in agreement. We have been intimidated so that we no longer stand up on our own two feet. And standing up on our own two feet is as American as apple pie. It's an obligation that we have to have our voices heard that we exercise the First Amendment right, that we are guaranteed under the Constitution of our great nation. Please, folks, make it your New Year's resolution to stand your ground, get your voice heard, not just by your neighbors, but by the people who purport to represent you. When we go to restaurants, we're very specific about the food that we want to eat and the way that we want it prepared. And if we're not happy with the meal, we send it back. And if that doesn't work, we get up and leave. We need to be no less specific in dealing with our elected representatives. We clearly live in a perilous era. And we as Americans have an obligation to ourselves, to our children, and to our fellow Americans to stand up for what's right. My father, may rest in peace, told me that it's easy to spot a real man. He's the guy who stands up when it counts. It certainly counts today. Please take my, my, my dad's great advice Uh, be heard, stand up, make your voice known, make your concerns known. It's something that we all have to do. I want to thank all of you for uh, joining me this evening. It's always a privilege and a pleasure to be with you at the end of the week so we can play that game of catch-up. Again, I ask you, please go to the websites, michaelcutler.net, frontpagemag.com, the social contract, check out capsweb.org, Please get involved, folks. Please work with your fellow neighbors to make a difference, because remember, democracy is not a spectator sport. I'm very much looking forward to seeing you again next week right here on the same program, the Michael Cutler Hour. But until then, have a wonderful weekend, wonderful holiday. Be well. See you then. Good night.